This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good. Just a, another beautiful day in America. Oh, yes. Uh, we are recording on Thursday morning, uh, so all of the unpleasantry of Wednesday uh, is in the rearview mirror for us. But uh, I'm sure, like most people, we were kind of glued to the news yesterday watching that. We won't spend a ton of time on it right now because we have some pretty important stuff as it relates to COVID-19 and vaccinations in Door County. So we'll probably just kind of move move beyond that. Maybe we'll pick it up as it uh, affects us locally, maybe in a different episode. But uh, I just wanted to kind of briefly mention that, like, yeah, we're aware of everything that was <laughs> happening yesterday. Uh, but we, I think we have some more pressing stuff to talk about just in terms of how it relates to you here in Door County today. Um, speaking of COVID-19 and vaccines, uh, people have been asking, I'm sure, a lot about vaccines and where they are in the county and how they get them and that kind of stuff. And you and Deborah Fitzgerald have done a lot of work to try to answer those questions. We're going to have an interview with Dr. Jim Heiss here at the end of this episode, going into detail about the vaccines. Uh, but why don't we why don't we just kind of break this down a little bit? So uh, Door County has access to vaccines. Door County Medical Center has vaccines and has been vaccinating people. Who have they been vaccinating so far? Uh, the first thing was the frontline workers. So they've been vaccinating people at the hospital. And as Dr. Heiss will tell us later, they are up to over 60% of their 730 workers are now vaccinated. Um, and then there are residents and employees at nursing homes are being vaccinated so far. So those are the, the first wave. And then they, they'll move on to like EMS personnel, firefighters, and then the elderly population they think is the next one, but they actually still don't have like the clear CDC guidance. Like Wisconsin hasn't decided exactly who those next people are. There's like a ballpark, but it's kind of like, who do we prioritize the super elderly or teachers that still hasn't been absolutely decided yet. Okay, so those are, are kind of the things that you're seeing across the board, right? Hospital personnel, those types of things. Um, the other thing that I've been hearing from Door County Medical Center is that they are hopeful that they'll have vaccinations for the general public by kind of end of February, mid-March, that kind of range. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yeah, it sounds, I would, I would say like more the March-April range um, for general public from what I've heard. Uh, that depends a lot on the federal rollout and the availability of those vaccines, but also hopefully this speeds up a bit. Um, they have, as the states figure this out, because once again, just like with testing, this was rolled out without a lot of attention paid to the final mile, so to speak. So it was just sent to states and then here, figure it out. Right. Um, which I don't think, so it kind of got dumped on the same people who are already overworked with the testing site stuff. So public health, local hospitals who are already drained. Now they're saying, here, you figure out all the tests or all the vaccinations. Um, and they are figuring that. They're working hard to do it. But uh, just that's really where the a lot of the hang-up is right now. Right. And the, the vaccine is a two-step process, right? There's two injections that need to be made to, to become completely vaccinated. Uh, the first round was done early on in December, and now we are looking at the second round being completed either by the time we're recording or sometime this week. That's at the hospital. One of my friends... Um, recently got her actually just posted this morning um out in seattle that she just got her second dose so she's got the full vaccination um 
in Door County that if you have to wait at least 21 days. I believe that 21 days for the Pfizer vaccine, 28 for the Moderna vaccine. Mm-hmm. Up here, we get the Moderna vaccine. Um, I talked to Michelle Knox at Scandia Village Good Samaritan up in Sister Bay, the, the nursing home there. And they got their first doses for residents and staff on December 30th. So they have three vaccination clinics scheduled. The next one would be end of January. And so the people who got their doses on December 30th will get their second dose in the end of January. And then also people who weren't present for the December 30th uh, vaccination clinic will get their first dose in January. And then there will be a third clinic the following month in which any of those people would get their second dose. So it is even... Even as it arrives, it's really like a two to three month process for some of these facilities to get fully vaccinated and and get everyone the doses they need. And from what the folks I've talked to, nobody that I know of is doing mandatory vaccinations yet for their staff. So even in Chicago hospitals and some of the big COVID centers, it's not it's not that they're mandating every staff member get them. So it's everybody who wants them has gotten their first dose in most of these cases. Right. That is that language I've seen both from Door County Medical Center and from Purveya Health in Green Bay. Uh, It's, you know, everybody who wants a vaccine has gotten them among the staff, which is such strange language for me in the midst of this pandemic to be like, everybody who opted to get a vaccine has one. It's like, I feel like it should be mandatory as part of your job as, you know, a doctor. Now, I know that that's a huge can of worms to get into. I'm literally just off the cuff. It just seems like, you know, if you need a license to operate a vehicle, you should get vaccinated to be a doctor. But again, that's just me. Yeah. Just kind of like reactionary to this stuff. I I know it's a much more complicated issue. Yeah. And then this is not to make a comment on the efficacy of the vaccine or cast doubts on it by any means. But, um, you know, there's 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 a few things some of these people may just be like, I'll wait and see how it plays out. Like, even though some people have had this vaccine for months and months because it's been in trials, there's still going to be people who are not early adopters, just like I'm usually not an early adopter with an iPhone because I'm like, let other people deal with the glitches and then I'll sign on. So there's a degree of that on a broader sense where people might say, I'll let other people see what the side effects are and then I'll sign on. Or they might have their own health concerns that might be more susceptible to something like this um, that might be complicated by this. So there's there are Everybody has their own reasons. Right. And then there's all, you know, there's the people who don't believe in vaccines, which is a whole other can of worms, like you said. Yeah. But um, for the most part, it sounds like the majority of people at the hospitals are taking the vaccine. Michelle Knox said at Scandia Village, they've been doing a lot of education and getting a lot of materials to their residents to try and answer their questions. She said, you know, a lot of our residents had really detailed questions. They came up, they wanted to read the studies, they wanted to see what the results were and what the journals were saying about this thing before they got the vaccine. And she said it was actually really kind of kind of cool to see them dig in so deeply on this. They said they also sent a lot of information home to friends and family of the residents there so they would feel comfortable or at least vet the decision themselves. And the so interestingly enough, like Scandia Village, they're not vaccinated by public health or by the hospital. Um, they actually worked with the government has actually um, worked with like Walgreens and CVS to help supplement this and get these vaccine rollouts going. So Walgreens actually sent up four pharmacists and then they had some EMS staff and the nurses there at, at the nursing home. And that enabled them to do the vaccine clinic. But then after each vaccine is um, administered, you have to monitor those people for 
generally they say like 15 minutes because this is a new vaccine. They want to make sure that people aren't you know, passing out or having any ill effects right away. So it's not as quick as the testing site where you just do the swab and you're out. You know, if, if you've gone through that in some of these drive up uh, test clinics, you know, it's like a two minute process in in the case of the vaccine, it takes longer. So that's one of the things that kind of slows down the process. I think a lot of people saw this similar to like the testing sites where you're just like, hey, we can just roll these out rapidly to everybody. So um, they they got some volunteers from the EMS department up in, in Sister Bay, and then they, they'll probably have that for the next round as well. So she did say, Michelle Knox said, like in at Scandia Village, she described it as like an exciting day. You can You can picture those folks spending the last 10 months on high alert, on high anxiety, their families on high anxiety, just, you know, at least in Northern Door, a lot of people, your eyes turned towards Scandia Village when this virus out, broke out. We're like, don't let it get into Scand. You know, the Piggly Wiggly did special hours for shopping where volunteers would come in and get food for the Scand residents and for older folks. Um, and and they've they've kept it at bay there. And because of the thought being, you know, where an average age is over 90, how quickly would that virus rip through that facility? And they so that getting that vaccine there just gave everybody a huge sigh of relief. They're not out of the woods. Right. It's not normal yet. But like for the first time, Michelle Knox said, you know, we can we can start to see a glimmer where maybe family can come in to the building again and see their loved ones. Um, maybe maybe we won't be doing window visits by phone in the cold bundled up forever. So, um, you know, you got to feel a little bit for those people and the, and the folks at the hospital. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the most kind of exciting part about all of this is just seeing how quickly this is actually being rolled out to those places that are most urgent here in Door County. Uh, because, you know, if we weren't seeing vaccines until March, I, I guess I wouldn't bat an eye at that, right? Considering where we are and being a smaller community. But the fact that we have them right away and they've already been administered to the people who need them the most, that that's really good news, despite right. kind of the the bungling of the rollout elsewhere. Yeah. So it's it, it's exciting. And we'll get into the, the next leg of this, like we said, uh, in terms of having it available to the community. And, and you talk much more about this with Dr. Jim Heiss, which we'll yeah. get into just shortly, but there's a couple more things I wanted to talk about. Uh, you had mentioned trying to keep uh, an outbreak at bay at scanned, right? Really trying mm-hmm. to keep that out. Uh, another place where that was kind of a focus early on was Washington Island. Sure. And Washington Island did a, uh, a great job of keeping numbers down throughout the majority of the year. Uh, unfortunately, they have seen kind of their their outbreak at this yeah. point. Um, there were something like 20 cases that happened very, very close to each other. Um, tell me a little bit about what set the scene for me in Washington Island in terms of their preparations and, and their precautions during the year and then what happened recently. Well, early on, uh, back when I spoke to officials up there in March, they were they were very cautious. There was talk about shutting down the ferry line. You know, back in the days when Door County and other communities were like, how do we just keep this out? You know, how do we stop visitors? And Washington Island, there were some of those discussions. It wasn't really feasible to do that. Like, they, you can't just stop the ferry line when you're an island. Um, uh, but they were able to to take some precautions and and keep the caseload down through most into December, they only had about 30 cases on the year. And then in a one week span at the end of the year, they reported 20 new cases and then and two people died. So you had, a, you know, a little scare when has gone through the community there. Uh, Deb talked to Richard Toby, the uh, town chairman, and he said, yes, some shops have proactively shut shut down. Bars and restaurants were closed. I talked to Joel Gunlickson. He said, yeah, pretty much everything's closed. The hardware was doing um, pickup only. And that was a few days ago. So like, I'm, I can't speak for like the, the, 
the status in this moment up there. But yeah, there, there was a lot of shutdown and and precautions taken to try and just um, keep it at bay. I know half of the town staff had COVID, so they had to curtail services from the from the township as well. Um, Toby said we got we have kind of gotten lucky because we haven't had a harsh winter yet. We haven't had the snow, so we haven't really lost anything from those services yet. Um, but yeah, they've they've cut down a lot, closed town offices, things like that. Yeah, that was something that I didn't even have on my radar in terms of potential problems that might arise from this. You know, this came out in March. There was still snow on the ground, but it was kind of fleeting. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't even consider uh, not having like snow removal services (laughs) because of a pandemic and then just like being locked inside your house that way. Um, Well, um, interesting on that same note, like the what Dr. Heiss will get into later is they worry about department by department. So earlier in this, uh, when when cases started to spike in early fall, there was actually an entire department out at Door County Medical Center that they had all either gotten gotten COVID or been exposed to somebody. So they were out a bunch of personnel at one point. And then Door County EMS, emergency services, they had a lot of people who caught COVID at the same time. So those services were kind of like on a on a shoestring for a little bit. So you can see how it starts to... Um, really strain resources. Right. Now, in terms of businesses shutting down, how is the island different from, say, the municipalities on the peninsula? Because I don't think that we really saw businesses shutting down on their own. Is is it a thing where the... Well, we did. I mean... Well, because of the safer at home order and stuff like well, that. Well, no, but like Husby's, Cornerstone. You saw individual businesses, the Sister Bay Bowl, um, shut down for three to five to six days. I think the bowl was recently closed for at least a week related to COVID. So people have proactively done that. Um, on the island, it seems like they did it en masse. Right. That that was what I was getting at. Um, is it just the kind of the closer knit community up there kind of being able to create that massive change at all at the same time? Because like you wouldn't necessarily see that throughout the peninsula. Like we did see a correlation between, say, Husby's and the Bull kind of closing down in tandem with each other yeah. because of the crossover in staff. Uh, but we didn't see all of the businesses in Sister Bay or all of the businesses across a couple municipalities banding together to do it at the same time. Is it just the 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 smaller community on the island that allows for that sort of thing? Uh, that would be my hunch. I um I will not dare to speak for an islander, but uh sure. <laughs> the but yeah, I mean it is a very small community. There are only so many places to go. So the one thing there too is like you can you can know like how many people are coming and going, <laughs> especially this time of year. You're talking about two ferries um, a day. So you can when you have something like this, it's, it's more of a controlled experiment where you can say, hey, if we just all shut down for a week, we can kind of stop the spread pretty easily. We don't have to worry about kind of interlopers coming in and out um, and controlling 50 different businesses. You're talking about a handful of bars, the town offices, a couple of shops, the grocery store and the hardware store. Yeah. Yeah. So right. you can go. Hey, you know what? If we all just do this for five days or two weeks, we can we can stop this versus, hey, if we just keep on going like normal, we had 20 this week. Now we might have 60 next week. And now it's like everyone's dealing with their with somebody in their family being sick. And now we're then you have a crisis in a small community where the population is about year round is listed at 700 and some. But the reality from what everyone who lives there says, like, yeah, this time of year. 
four to five hundred. Right. So, so uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about something interesting that we were were kind of looking for early on in this, and we we had talked about it on the podcast, and we definitely been searching for it is uh, a breakdown from municipality. Right. One of the big questions early early on in March was like, where are these cases located? Right. People yeah. wanted to know, are these in Northern Door? Are they in Southern Door? Are they you know Lakeside, Bayside? And we didn't have that data. Uh, we have that data now. Yeah. Um, I, I it, apparently it was located somewhere else. Is this something that was just recently put out there, or is this something that's been there but you know we we didn't have a good way to access it? Well, for months and months, when we would ask for municipal, not just municipality specific data, but even like regionally specific data, we were told that that didn't exist. And then they started putting it out by um, census tract from the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. And the reason people weren't doing that, is there's good reason early on. When you're talking about one, two, four cases, and then you say, yeah, they're all in Ephraim. It's like, it's not hard to figure out which of the 200 people in Ephraim had COVID then. Like, so you're, so you're technically, you're violating some privacy and things like that. Um, especially early on when there was a bit more of a stigma and people were saying, well, who brought it here? You know? Right. Um, but as it went on, it became like, hey, can we get this data because... We, we need to make decisions based on real information, not anecdotal, not broad strokes. Like if somebody says, Wisconsin, there's a case of COVID, like, does that mean we all pr- presume it's like in our community? <laughs> and right. the same thing in Door County. If when that when those first cases came along, it's like, well, is that Brussels or is that Washington Island or is it Sister Bay? There's a big difference. I mean, there's an 80 mile stretch there. So it does actually have policy implications for what these little municipalities can do, because as long as everyone's operating as if, well, there's some here or some there. You can either be too cautious and too shut down, or you can be too carefree because you're saying, well, that I mean, maybe those are all Sister Bay. Why do I have to right. worry about that in Eswabi? Um, But yeah, now we got the, the data by municipality, um, number of cases over the course of this. Unfortunately, we weren't able to break it down yet by how many in the last week right. or in the last month, but at least over the course of the pandemic. And then uh, so what we did is we produced a chart of number of cases, population of each of those communities. And then percent of people in those communities then that have tested positive. Right. That percent positive, I think, is the most important piece of data from this, because like you said, there's there's wildly different population sizes for these different things. So you might see, you know, 150 cases somewhere and compared to 11 cases somewhere else. But the percent positive might be closer than you might think. Yeah. Um, And what are what are some of the the most interesting or most surprising pieces of data from this? Well, to me. Um, we, you know, the percentages weren't that important if it was like, all right, everyone has somewhere between 4.5 and 5.7% of their population is, um, has tested positive. Like that's not as, that's not a big enough difference to make it like valuable to the reader to like rank them. And that's not, right. that's not what we were trying to do by putting this <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, it's not a top 10 places that have COVID. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. But it was interesting in this sense. You know, you've heard a lot of rhetoric all year long about like all oh, these visitors, they're bringing COVID. That's what's causing it. And, and, you know, everyone wants to blame the other. We see that all the time. We see it in racial terms. We see it in socioeconomic terms. Everyone blamed or immigrants. It's the other that are causing the problem, right? And so that same thing played out here with COVID in which locals just wanted to blame the other, the tourists who came, like as if none of us were driving to Green Bay or Milwaukee or going on vacation in the spring. Like we couldn't be doing it. It had to be coming from those people from Chicago or something like that. So the interesting thing I'm looking at this to me is that the the percentages in general are lower in the Northern Door communities where you have 
a couple of factors. You have heavy tourism. Like the, the bulk of the tourism in Door County is Egg Harbor and North. Um, that's based on room tax numbers. It's not anecdotal. <laughs> um, the But those case numbers, just generally about 5% of the population in each of those communities, give or take, have tested positive for the virus. In Southern Door, where tourism is a much smaller percentage of the income and you don't have nearly as many visitors, you have a much higher positivity rate. Um, in some communities, as much as like 11%, so almost double the number of percentage of the population has had COVID in those communities. And that's, that's I'm very careful here, like I'm, I'm not blaming or casting aspersions. Right. It's just a matter of the, the types of population, only to say that like, it's clear that like the places with heavy visitorship weren't, it, it didn't spread rapidly amongst the locals. And then the other thing in Northern Door, the population's older. So this is a, again, this is a kind of speculation on my part, but a lot of the older population has been more locked down and safer. Not all of them, mind you, but um, just a lot of the people I talk to have been very cautious in Northern Door, where they where you have a much higher percentage of people over the age of 65 who were taking precautions to not get the virus. Um, and then in Southern Door, in those communities, you have a different type of job that most of them are doing. Um, you have a lot of people working in, a number of people in Southern Door work in some of those meatpacking plants where you had some of the big outbreaks in Green Bay early on. Um, you have more manufacturing where you work in larger facilities with a lot more people. Um, and then you also don't know from this of like how many of these, like, you know, say uh, City of Sturgeon Bay has had 683 cases. Brussels had 128 cases. Like were 70 of those in Brussels, like back in April when businesses and manufacturing facilities weren't taking the precautions, especially the meatpacking plants. Um, you know, it, it all, this'll, this is the kind of information that down the road might make interesting book material for somebody to study and say like, well, we've placed a lot of emphasis on restaurants and bars and really we didn't place enough emphasis on meatpacking plants and manufacturing facilities where right. we had some of those major outbreaks early on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the, how the data is extrapolated down the line. Um, with that, Miles, why don't we jump into your interview with Dr. Jim Hines? I think you've set it up pretty well throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, and we'll just we'll get into that. There's some really great information there about vaccines and rollout and that kind of stuff. So if you have been clamoring for that information, like I know so many people have been, uh, hopefully this will give you some insight into what to look forward to over the next couple of months. Uh, anything else for people before we jump into the interview, Miles? I think that's great, Andrew. Perfect. Then thank you for talking with me, and I look forward to listening to the interview and chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. All right. I'm joined now by Dr. Jim Heiss, who has been on this podcast a, a few times over the last eight or nine months, probably more than he'd like to be. Dr. Heiss is the chief medical officer at Door County Medical Center. Uh, Dr. Heiss, thanks for joining us again today. It is my pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you, Miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we wanted to have you on just to obviously tons of people asking questions of, of, about the vaccine and when it, when it's coming and who gets it at what point. Yeah. And you guys yeah. are probably getting inundated with those questions. Hopefully by doing this, we at least save you a few of those phone calls and texts and emails um, that uh, that you're undoubtedly getting. Um, yeah. Give me the the broad overview of, of where we are on vaccines right now in Door County and what people can expect. Okay, so where we are, first of all, yeah, thanks. I mean, I appreciate the opportunity because we are getting a lot of calls and, and if we can spread the message, that, that's terrific. So we received the Moderna vaccination vaccines on December 23rd was the first shipment of, I, I think it was 300 that we got. And uh, um, so those, we went through uh, our very frontline caregivers. I was one of those because I take care of patients, COVID patients 
in our isolation unit as well as a hospitalist. And we've since gotten two other shipments uh, of around five, 600 each. So right now, as it stands, uh, every hospital employee uh, that has chosen to get the vaccine has been able to get it. And I say it that way because what we have done is we've told some people that, you know, we've told people in general, don't send whole departments down at once to get vaccinated because we don't know necessarily um, what the side effects will be. And, I, and, I, and I'm saying side effects with air quotes because um, <laughs> when I say that, what I'm talking about is what the body does in response to revving up the immune system. And that makes you feel sometimes a little punky, sometimes low-grade fever, sometimes headaches, sometimes body aches. They go away very transiently, but we didn't want to have entire departments feeling sick at the same time. Sure. As it turns out, we've only had, you know, out of, out of you know, we, we have 730 employees or so, we've had over 60% of those vaccinated at this point. Um, and uh, we've only had about two people that have had uh, those kind of those kind of symptoms where they just felt wow. kind of punky for about 12 to 24 hours and that's it. So that's kind of where we stand. Now, what we're doing right now is we are starting to move out and we've done our volunteers for the hospital. We're starting to do paramedics, uh, police, uh, um, firefighters, certainly those groups, also dentist, dentist office in town, uh, optometrists, chiropractors, if they choose to do that, all those people we're, we're reaching out to now and we're, we're in the process of, of moving through those folks. And then public health will be getting their vaccine soon. They have not yet gotten a shipment and then they will join the party, so to speak, hmm. uh, and, and they'll move forward. So, you know, I, so far it's been nothing but positive. We've, we've had really, really good success with it. And I know I've seen newspaper articles that have said, you know, well, the, the supply outstrip or the demand outstrips the supply. We thankfully here thus far, knock on wood, has, that hasn't been the case. Um, the demand at the hospitals, because obviously everyone wants the vaccine and we can't all have the vaccine right now. So you're, are you referring to that's a basically good, the hospital specifically? I, yeah, that, that's a good question. Uh, so to clarify, what I mean by that is for those 1A people right now, we the, the CDC has set forth the priority groups. 1A um, is the folks that we've already talked about. Now, 1B is going to very quickly uh, start to come into play. The CDC is still parsing out what who they are, including in 1B. Uh, the last that I had seen of that, they were talking about, you know, people over 75, perhaps, uh, teachers, uh, essential workers, things like that. So that information is not set in stone and, and uh, set out yet, but that's going to be coming soon. So that'll be sort of the next step. I know People in general that aren't in healthcare that may, you know, not be essential workers, they're all wanting to know when can I get my vaccine? And I think the best answer I can give right now is probably sometime in March. And again, okay. that's a that's an educate that's an educated guess. Uh, but uh, the the way that I've been trying to um, phrase it, um, I was going to say the word spin it, but that's not really that that sounds, sounds more nefarious right. than it needs to. <laughs> is uh, but it's true. Is it, is it, is really every every group that gets vaccinated, even prior to you may that you may get vaccinated, is helping build the herd immunity, and we all have to get there. So yeah, we want to we want to make sure that we get the vaccine so we don't get sick. But even if we have to wait a little while, we're building up to that herd immunity even as we get to you. So and it also it just it just brings the import again of keeping going with masking and physical distancing and avoiding congregating in places with poor ventilation and, and things like that. So, right. And, you know, you, you mentioned that and I'm, I'm thinking of uh, yesterday, I had a chance to talk to Michelle Knox at Scandia Village Good Samaritan up in Sister Bay, where they have 
completed their first round of inoculations. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like you said, they have the first rounds, very little in terms of side effects of people in that, that post-inoculation monitoring period. Very, just like yeah. a lot of people with sore arms. So you're talking about people who right. are very old, very susceptible to issues, and they've, they've had a very successful um, rollout there as well. Um, Absolutely. But again, that's the first dose. Uh, they that helps a lot. But I think what I have read is like a one dose gets you about eighty percent effective, is their estimate. Two dose brings you up to about ninety five. So obviously, it's not time to take the mask off, and it's not time to to no. start letting your guard down. Um, what um, what should people expect? Who uh, let's say that group that's seventy five and older, that's not involved in healthcare, things like that. Are they? supposed to be getting on a on a list or registering for the vaccine like what's the next step for those folks do they have to worry about getting left out no i would say not i mean i think i think uh um as time goes on i mean there's there's more vaccine coming uh will that you know basically comes per week you know so i don't expect that people will get left out as far as waiting lists are concerned we'll be door county medical center will be um coming out with basically an online very much like you do right now if you need to get tested an online form and there'll be some other ways as well. Um, and then, so, so you'll be able to basically sign up, uh, to, to get the vaccine. And then we'll be making individual appointments to do that. And we're going to do it in, in large, almost vaccine clinic like situations because we have to watch everybody for about 15 minutes because it's a brand new vaccine. And sure. so that, that adds a little bit of time to each. But, uh, um, We've got a we've got a team whose job it is to just sort out all those all those details, and then of course let's not forget public health. They're going to have um, uh, flu not flu. I keep saying flu clinics. But, uh, <laughs> let's uh, not COVID go back clinics, to that stage, that, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, we'll go. We're, we'll be having the public health will be having COVID uh, vaccine clinics as well once they get their their vaccine. So as I've been telling people, I will do my best to shout from the rooftops when people can get their vaccine. So it shouldn't be a matter of uh, people saying, oh, I could have gotten, I didn't realize that. I hope that's not the case because we're going to communicate in as many ways as we know how to, to get out that message when the time uh, comes. So just to be clear to our listeners, what it sounds like you're saying is don't worry about getting on a list at the moment. You guys will be releasing kind of an online sign up similar to how you would sign up to go get a, a test right now. And that word will be shouted loud and clear once you guys have that ready to roll out. Correct? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, let's talk about the the different vaccines just really briefly. I don't want to get into the weeds, but there's the two that most of us have heard about, the the Moderna and the, the Pfizer I believe we have the Moderna vaccine here in Door County. Yes. That's due to the storage related issues kind of? Not really. I mean, I think, it, well, I think maybe in the, in the end, that's what it was, but bottom line is the, the Pfizer vaccine requires storage of like minus 70 Celsius, which is, you know, not the average freezer temperature. And so um, <laughs> it, uh, it had to be distributed in a hub and spoke type of a situation. And so uh, the state really has been involved with disseminating vaccine and deciding who gets what when. And so I think because of the hub and spoke, they, they, they just chose what they chose. And then shortly thereafter, we were chosen to get the Moderna. So, and okay. they both in my, they're both equivalent. Um, they have very little differences between the two. Moderna doesn't have to be quite as cold on storage. Um, the, the time period in between the vaccines is 28 days for Moderna, whereas it's 21 days for the Pfizer. So other than that, they, they work in a similar way. Okay. Have you heard anything? Um, I believe Great Britain has gone to a 
one dose system right now. Basically, the theory being to get to that, like as I said earlier, to get to like the ninety-five percent um, effectiveness, you want to have two doses. If you get one dose, it's roughly eighty percent. And so they are going with a strategy of more people at the slightly lower percentage to start out than rather than going for trying to get fewer people the two dose right now. And I know there's been talk about that in in the United States. I don't know if you've heard anything like that or if you anticipate anything like that for our region or if we're even close to that conversation. Yeah, I, I you know, I've heard a little bit, but just just little whiffs. I mean, I think you told me more than I've heard really as far as Great Britain just thinking about doing that. And I what I have seen is is just basically uh sound bites or headlines from some of my medical uh uh, communications that I've received where they basically, CDC is saying it's not time to do that yet, and I'm sure it will be time. I'm not aware, I mean, I have not heard the 80% from the first dose. I'm not sure we totally know, but I think we know that within 10 days you've got some degree of immunity, and that second dose really is a, is a, uh, is a good, uh, booster to try and, and really get the immunity up to the 95%. So uh, I think it's a little more sophisticated than just you get 80% from the first and you get the rest from the second. Although that that does describe it nicely, but I think it, there's a little more to it. I sure. think the hope is that if we get both we get both doses, that maybe there may, there may even be a, a possibility of sterilizing immunity, which would be like the measles, where you get the vaccine and you're done. Hmm. We don't know that information yet, though. So sure. it's a hope, but I don't know that we know enough. Um, can you describe for me what it was like that day when the vaccines arrived at Door County Medical Center? What was the feeling like in the building? What was the feeling like for your staff that have been dealing with this for so long and putting themselves and their families at risk? You know, it was, I would, I'd have to say it was kind of giddy. I mean, it was, it was just, it was really exciting, you know, and for me, you know, as a, as a nerdy science type guy, I, I just was really humbled and excited because the, the very idea that we were able to, you know, we, this pandemic just started in earnest for us in the U.S. probably in February and uh, from January, when they first uh, 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 decoded the genome of the COVID virus, to then come out with a vaccine that was in our hands uh, in early in mid December was just astonishing to me. And so we were all really excited, and and um, it was just kind of a, a celebratory mood. You know, what a great Christmas present! And 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 I know, you know, some people are saying, well, you got the Christmas present, and we didn't. Well. You know, I completely understand that. Um, the ones that got it first were the ones that literally are in the rooms taking care of COVID patients. And so um, it, it just was exciting, you know, and, and uh, an amazing accomplishment uh, really for the human race. Yeah. And uh, I don't think, at least I hope people aren't begrudging you guys for getting the vaccine first because uh, we need you guys to be healthy if if something happens to any of us. So um, sure. Uh, Dr. Heiss, anything else you'd want to share about this or that people should know um, and, and when you might expect to have more information for them. And if, if you, as you do get information, where should they look for that about like the next round of people who yeah. should be looking for the vaccine? Yeah, I would say the, the two, the two best sources, um, would be the DCMC, dcmedical.org website, the Door County Medical Center website, and also public health website, because we're going to try and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't work for public health, but I mean, just, I, I know in, in working with Sue Powers, they're going to try and, and communicate as, 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 you know, robustly as they can. And, um, and, and so that's why things like this podcast and other, other venues, I'm happy to do because this is so important and we want to get this information out. So, um, so there's that. I think as far as what other, what, what else might I say about it? I think the big thing 
that's important, and I, I repeat it a lot, is when it comes to wearing masks and, and distancing, it's going to be probably till the summer or so till we can stop doing that. And the reason is what the vaccine does is it prevents against disease. It does not prevent against infection. So what does that mean? That means you're not going to get sick and die or get sick and really feel terrible from COVID-19. You could still get the virus, though, and the virus you could then shed to mm. someone who may be at risk. So that, that's why it's going to be important until we hit herd immunity. Because what herd immunity really means in the end is that it brings down uh, the, the virus in the population to a very low level. And so that the, you, the occasional person that gets infected, you can, you know, you, you hate for that to happen, but it can happen. You tamp it down, you deal with it, and it doesn't affect the population. It no longer is a pandemic. It's just an individual disease. Yeah. And in part because there's, there aren't these easy targets for it to hop to. So if, if a bunch right. of people are vaccinated, it, it can't just keep exploding and, and spreading. Um, exactly. Well, Dr. Heiss, thank you so much for your time and for explaining this, and good luck rolling this out. I know you guys are going to be under a lot of pressure, getting a lot of calls, but um, like I said, hopefully you get at least a couple fewer calls. Um, thanks for joining us and getting some of this information out there. My pleasure. Thanks for having me now. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.